0: You are watching and listening to The Black Filmmakers Lounge, Black Filmmaker Friday. I'm your host Michael Melvin and today my special guest is one, my mentor, director, producer, actor, writer, Christopher Nolan, straight out of what Chicago. Up,
1: what up. What's up everybody? What's going down? my brother brother michael melvin thank you brother for having me man appreciate
0: you uh thank you thank you for being on man i, I appreciate it this is actually our first uh black filmmaker mm-hmm. friday so to have you on is oh a, thank um, you man direct honor for me
1: i'm honored i'm honored and humble, brother <laughs> well, i'm honored you. and humble myself brother
0: and um, yeah i just um yes sir i've known this man for a couple years now yep and um good mentor actually i'm gonna i'm gonna tell brief how, how sure. great of a mentor you are Thank um you, we would talk right and we when we first tried to connect you were busy you were like man, yeah I'm, doing, I'm editing i'm doing this movie i got this but look hey when are you going to be available and i was like oh. well you know i teach film and stuff and you're like all right well let's try to make a time and then you made a time we sat on the phone for about a good two hours
1: yeah and
0: we talked and um that was great, and then the next time we were one of the t- other times, you just said, "What you doing right now?" You text me, <laughs> and then you turn around, and just went ahead and called me. Yeah. And we just talked about my thesis film, my project yep. for grad school, and all that. And so uh, I, I was, I'm very humble to have you as my mentor, and yeah, um, no problem. No problem. you are a um, a plethora of information and knowledge and skills. Uh, my wife and I, we have watched basically all your films Thank and you. um i think professor mac was one of her favorites but then yeah, we yeah. uh watched my online valentine
1: good, 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 good. <laughs> and then she was like
0: oh okay i can you know what that main actor he reminds me of somebody <laughs> she, you know she pulled it apart and they for me you know um it was pierre jackson we were talking yeah. about that and yeah. um I was like, yo, that's a man's movie because it really is from a man's perspective. And and I respect that. But
1: but it's funny because a a woman wrote it, right? Like Bridget Williams wrote the script. I kind of gave her a little bit of the story and she just did a great job writing the whole entire script. But I thought it was very important for me as a man to really emphasize our side of stories, especially when it comes to, you know, relationships per se. And I really thought that the cast and the crew really executed really what I really wanted for that particular story. I'm really proud and happy for that particular film as well.
0: Oh yeah. No, nah, it, it it actually had the story touched me um in many Good. ways because I went through a divorce and so forth. But uh
1: sure, 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 sure. You
0: know sure. Man, to have those films for men, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Let's get into some questions though, because I'm sure yeah, let's do, uh, it. Let's people do it, bro. know When did you first realize that you wanted to be a filmmaker and what was your inspiration?
1: That's a great question. Um, I start off as an actor, as a younger actor and model. So as I got older, probably in my, you know, what's it about maybe 20, 23, 24, I realized I wanted to tell stories, um, from, for, from our voice as African-Americans and within our community. So I just started to go ahead and start a Shooting, uh, learned kind of a lot on the fly. But being an actor, I've always just watched what everybody did on set when I was able to, when I was working on commercials and other films, right? So right. I, I did it myself. And um, my influences were anyone who was able to make a movie, because back then in the 90s, man, it was tough, you know, which is still tough today. But I really was inspired by anybody and everybody that was able to pick up a camera, get a crew, get actors to make a short, make a feature, a commercial, an industrial. But if I have to pick out some main ones, of course, uh, Spike Lee is our guy, um, Reginald Hutland, uh, Martin Scorsese, um, George Tillman Jr., just to name a few, who really inspired me to push me to keep doing what I'm doing to this day.
0: Mm. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank yeah, we have a lot of the same filmmakers. You you missed one of my favorite though.
1: Which one? Who's Gordon I might Parks, have?
0: Man. Gordon, Parks, Gordon
1: Parks, yeah. The 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 godfather. You're right, man. Yeah. I, see it's so it's so many, man. i just be forgetting, but you're right though. No, I know, Parks right? And yeah. but
0: uh, I was introduced to him as a kid for the learning tree that stood oh, out awesome. course, Yeah, shattered.
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Awesome, so, man. But uh okay, awesome. all right. So my next question for you. Mm-hmm. What who Were some of your major influences... Well, you already said that. I'm so sorry. What non-film medium influences your work?
1: Oh, it's always music, man. Uh, I love music, man. Like, Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, my dad was a music lover, so, of course, he played a lot of music in the house, so I would listen to it. And so when I would listen to the music, in my mind, it's weird, in my mind, when I was little, I would picture... A story, or tell them a story about the music and then I end up realizing it's called a music video. So even to this day, music really inspires me when it comes to filmmaking, you know, especially mm-hmm. in the, whenever I do write, because I'm trying to get away from writing right now and just focus on directing, but whenever I did write and I still kind of do a little writing, I use music when I write. And then mm-hmm. even in the post-production process, when my editing team were cutting I'm always thinking of some music to help with cut you know and then I mean I work really closely with my composer who scores my films as well because that music is the other medium that I really really that I really really enjoy you know what I mean
0: yeah that, yeah you know yeah it's interesting because um I think music kind of got me into it where mm-hmm. I wanted to um do certain types of positive films and uh, yeah I was already into music you know mm-hmm. and the funny thing about film and music when you think about it it's all storytelling and it's, yes. it's funny because you'll find that like when you make movies I'm sure you're mm-hmm. like when you're editing you're thinking what song can I put right here oh yeah, yeah absolutely grab the all the time
1: all the time, man. All the time. I mean, we can't afford the music that we want to use. So what we have to do is we get take that particular song and give a, give it to our composer. Say, hey, can you get something close to this? You know. So
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> at the independent yeah. level, that's how we got to do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For oh real, yeah, definitely, <laughs>
0: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, in your opinion, um, mm-hmm. is the most important quality of a film director?
1: Ooh the most important quality. I'm gonna say communication, brother. The director must communicate with everyone from the cast, to the crew, to the executive producers, to the studio execs, network execs, the production assistant, um, quality control people, Everybody, man, communication is key, but I would say pretty much really on set, the director must also, and I know you said just one, but I also want to use the other C word collaborate, because mm-hmm. you cannot do it by yourself. Um, you got to collaborate with your actors, your cinematographer, your sound operator, your production designer, your Hair, makeup, wardrobe. Your script supervisor, which is very, very important. Um, the continuity script supervisor is very, very important that a director must have at all costs. Um, so the collaboration process, along with communication, I think, I really go hand in hand, which I think is very, very important to be a director at any level. Um, if it's independent film, if it's commercials, at the studio level, if it's industrials, music videos, communication, collaboration.
0: Those, that's just my opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, collaboration is key. I think uh, a mm-hmm. lot of people get in this industry and we kind of, I know my first mistake, it, it's, I wouldn't say mistake, but you get into it, you're like, I can do it all. And yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I
0: think in my first film, you know, I'm running camera, I'm doing the mics, I'm doing, and you can see, I saw the mistakes and speaking of mistakes, <laughs> What mistakes did you probably make in your uh, first film or first project and that kind of gave you that education? (laughs)
1: Uh, uh, Hiring wrong people for the job.
0: Mm.
1: Um, You know, sometimes you want to give people opportunities in some positions, but I've made the mistake of hiring some some people in certain positions that just weren't right for the particular job. So I ended up having to do the job or redo the job, if you will. Because again, once you're directing and producing, everything falls on you anyway, right? right? So sometimes when you just mentioned that you have to do everything, sometimes you probably have to do everything because the budget doesn't allow you to hire certain people at those certain positions um, so you have to do everything yourself but I know the mistakes I've made in the past is hiring people who just didn't do a good adequate job for me what I needed and I learned from that and I got better in that hiring process when I'm able to hire who I need to hire for certain positions
0: mm. mm-hmm. yeah that's uh, I think that's a big <laughs> one for me yeah um. You learn from that. And I, I think one of the oh, things yeah. I decided to do is when I want to collaborate with people to get <clears> to know <throat> them, I, um, I make short films. So that mm. way I'm not spending a lot of money working with somebody on a feature and running into all those problems that I was going to run into.
1: That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Hope your audience is listening to that. Cause that's real right there. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Speaking of audiences. Yes, sir. How do you know um, what audiences want? And as a filmmaker, is it our role to worry about that?
1: Man, that's another great question, brother. Um, I think you it's a trial and error. Test runs when you try to find who your audience is. Like in my case, I started making romantic films and I noticed that my audience were gravitating to that like a lot of women were gravitating to my films so I continued to make those films because I saw it was a big audience for me when I would do certain films and when women all, all you know uh, African Americans Caucasians Hispanics they all were loving the particular film. so I just stuck with it I'm sticking with it man um that's and I just got lucky and I think it is our jobs as filmmakers to figure out our audience because, in my opinion, I think it's our job to make films for the audience. So, right. if because I don't think we should, I don't know if we make films for ourselves because we have to make films for our potential consumers, which is our audience. So, like, I look at whatever I'm doing when it comes to directing. I'm looking at it from an audience point of view, not from my point of view per se, but what the audience would think about it, what they would like or even dislike. Sometimes per se, I hope that makes sense. What I just said.
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, we have to consider the audience. I think. Yeah. Um, the first thing is this is a business. Yeah. You know, and as a producer of a product. Mm-hmm. So you have to know your market yes. you're not going to sell a product if you don't understand or know your market
1: Correct. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. that's
0: real and, um, you know, and, and I think that's the first mistake I made I was like mm-hmm. oh they'll like this I'm going to make something and they're going to like it and then you go wait a lot of people aren't buying it I thought I was going to sell a million copies of my DVD mm-hmm. and I've only sold 10,000 or I only sold right. 5,000 what's up I spent mm-hmm. all this money making this movie and it kind of puts things in perspective. That wait a second, do I really know my audience? You know, do right. I really know my market and how to market <laughs> to them?
1: Also, too man, if you can. I've also looked at other filmmakers' audiences also to see what they've been putting out and what numbers they've been doing. Because if if it's working for them, maybe it can work for me or someone else as well. Because especially at the at the urban level it's mm-hmm. not a lot of products for us, bro, <laughs> you know? Right. So we, we have a variety of things we can do for our audience, but again, we just have to kind of do our research. And then once you do your research, kind of make it into your own, per mm-hmm. se. I've been lucky to do that, man. Um, I'm telling you, Mike, I've been really blessed to have each film that I've done have a good audience for it. It's just, this has been, you got to have a little luck too, man. I don't care what nobody said. You gotta have a little <laughs> luck in this business <laughs> Right. for real, you know? And of course, God is going to bless you once you put in the work, but you still got to have a little luck to go that extra mile. That's just my opinion as well on that, bro.
0: Oh yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, yes, sir. So speaking of that, we, um, this is a kind of a Lewis, Duvall, who's one of the mm-hmm. hosts for the Saturday Morning Show. Sure, We've sure. We've been having this debate about the Black film industry. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it really an industry? So do mm-hmm. you see the current state of Black independent filmmaking as an industry or as a small pocket of groups? And why do you see that way?
1: It is an industry with small pockets of groups, okay? Mm-hmm. So our industry is filmmakers... You have your clicks, man. Let's just be real with it. you got your high level of filmmakers. You have your middle level of filmmakers. You have your up-and-coming. I'm not going to use the word lower. You have your up-and-coming. It would be nice if our filmmakers can help bring up up-and-comers, but sometimes politics don't really allow that. And I'll say this. As a people, we have to start uplifting each other, you know, especially our up-and-comers. So many up-and-comers have so much talent. Their talent needs to be witnessed, seen. So it's we have to pull back up. Like, I love doing that, man. I love giving back. I love being able to mentor, you know, because whatever is for me will be for me. Whatever is for you will be meant for you. And if I can help you get to the level you want to get to, I'm all in. But some people don't think like that, brother.
0: Nah, <laughs> some, <yeah.
1: laughs> some people are all for themselves, um, which is unfortunate. But you have to find those people that are going to support being your team. I heard um fellow filmmaker... Deion Taylor said, 90% of the people in this industry will not help you. 10% will. You just got to find that 10% that will help you. And he said, it's hard to find that 10%. But when you find that 10%, huge blessings, because that's how you start really building. When you find that 10% that's want to support you, back you, and believe in so I think the debate you guys have it's a great debate I think that we have like I said we have the industry but we have cliques within the black industry you know Right. and it would be great if the cliques can all come together we can all just give each other game daily but some people aren't built like that I'm built like that you built like that but some people just aren't brother Mm. Unfortunately, you know,
0: <laughs> Do you problem. think we kind of do you think they look at where we are at times? Like, I think sometimes when you're up higher, you look at somebody and you go, eh, what can they do for me? Or the fear of being surpassed by somebody, because I, I believe I look at what I do as a legacy. Mm. I'm not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. Who's going to carry the torch? if you don't bring somebody up and groom them, support them and help them find their style.
1: You know, my brother, Mike, it might be a combination of both what you said. Sometimes some people don't want to be surpassed. They want to still stay on that throne. And I look at it as there's enough room for everybody at the top. It is, it's wide open. So if I'm at the top and I can reach back out to Michael Melvin, film director, producer, Say, man, this brother has skills, he has talent. I'm gonna put him on, man, you know? Um, you know, Bring him on, you know? And, 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 but I, I will say this though.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of directors are starting now. I feel a lot of black directors now during this quarantine have really been able to communicate more via social media, via this type of platform share ideas, you know, connect with each other to help each other out. But I really like what you said to these people who are at that level. They might look down upon us and say, well, what well, what, can you really do for me? Well, this is a business of, you know, like you said, it's a business. Some people don't look at you like, well, yeah, what can you do for me? Um, can you make me some money? You know, I mean, some people look at that. But I think there is some fear with some people that they don't want other people to surpass them potentially. Um, but again, people like yourself and myself, we're not built that way. Some people unfortunately just are, you know. Mm -hmm. So we have to find within that 10% who will help and believe, you know, per se within us. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Because I always look at it as even in small pockets, we all should have a connection to each other and build mm-hmm. each other. Like, you know, the Black Filmmakers Lounge, we, I created it for mm-hmm. people to come and share knowledge of the industry so that mm-hmm. we can get more jobs in an industry and build mm-hmm. our industry. Because when I look mm-hmm. at it, and, and I we talked about, you know, Nollywood mm-hmm. and Bollywood mm-hmm. and, yeah, and yeah. where we are as African-Americans in the Hollywood scope of things, you have Atlanta, you got Chicago, um, New York, but mm-hmm. is everywhere else growing that we all come together and form something big? Because I, I want to own all my stuff, mm. you know, and, and sometimes people, uh, you know, will sell it off, yes. but could we, you know, we don't think about it as a group, hold on, how can we own all our stuff, make mm. the most money off of it, and that, the only thing I see is us working together in some way
1: great question that's a, that's a good man um, <laughs> one day hopefully it happens brother um, it's really tough at the independent film level man because we you know we don't get a lot of love in this uh, particular industry man we just don't and maybe we don't because we don't have the financing to have higher quality potential productions like the studio levels have
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I still have to respect the independent grind man um, I love it I mean it's some of the Some of the best people who are working at the studio level came from independent film grind and the film game, man. So we just got to continue to keep doing what we're doing for each other, uh, for the audience, but especially for each other, man, because it's hard. Brother, like anybody that's listening, you're really trying to be a filmmaker. I'm telling you right now, don't quit your day job. Keep it Um, if you can or have a night job. Or a second shift job because this industry is—it's all over the place. You don't know when you're gonna get a check. You know, it might be on some products where you just work for the experience to build your resume, and that's cool too. But you have your job. You know, you, you have a situation where you're still able to pay your bills. You're still able to have food on the table, able to wear clothes. That's real, then, man. I mean. I still have a job, brother, and you know, I have, I'm no shame in my game of saying that, man. You know, um, even though I've made 14 feature films, I still got to work. You know, I still got to eat and provide for the fam, you know what I mean? So I still got to do that, man, and I'm always telling, you know, especially independent filmmakers, uh, work, still work, you know. Now if you're at a studio right. level, network level, probably a different story, right? Mm -hmm. But still have your backup options. That's why for me, man, college was important. Those pieces of paper for my bachelor's and my two master's degrees were important because if anything happens, I can fall back on that stuff and still work somewhere. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So. I know that's a little bit off topic, but I want to just kind of throw that in there as well. No, that's you know?
0: honest. Cause you know, like I work. it's funny because exactly. both of us were teach our te- well, yeah, I'm a teacher exactly. now, yep. but we both were teachers.
1: Yeah, man. Absolutely, brother. That's real, yeah. bro. It's <laughs> real talk, man. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Man.
0: And, and, and I I told somebody, they're like, Well, why do you teach? You can make movies, you can do I say, you know what? I I'll teach during the year, but when summer roll around, I can work on my feature and yeah. get my projects out. You know, you got well, that well, I, somewhere three months.
1: Yeah, but a lot of people don't understand too. Teaching it helps you to be a director, be a producer, because you have to again manage different personalities in your classroom with your students, um, deal with different personalities of your bosses, your um, your deans, principals, superintendents, you know, um, associates, things of that sort. You know, so it really still it really works your brain. When it comes to directing, for sure, because you still have to handle so many things, communicate and collaborate with so many other people as well.
0: So I also want to uh, ask you another question. Um, Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, before I do that, I want to thank everybody for joining us on the Black Filmmakers Lounge for Black Filmmaker Friday. Uh, We appreciate you. Actually, uh, Michael Garrison said the problem is not much as uh, help, but more information. Um, mm. We don't get enough. We don't know enough. And That's um, true. actually, if see, when Whoa. you get on Instagram, because I'm there, <clears throat> Christopher drops knowledge. Brother there Chris drops knowledge on I'm Instagram trying, man. at try, night. Try. Try. And he's talking to his crew yeah. uh, last night. It was this casting director. Yeah. And, um, it was, it's phenomenal information that you're getting because you're not getting his side, but you're getting the casting side. Um, yeah. So actors need to pay attention because directors are talking to them. Yeah. You know? And sometimes we're. It, I might always stress, know your craft. Mm-hmm. You're not going to mm-hmm. know everything, but know your craft. And If you get around the people who right. do it, you'll get to know your craft. Mm-hmm. You know, um, work on people's set, P B P yep. A. PA. You know, you and I talked about that. I mean, coming, Absolutely. Working.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, that's real. You know, but what Michael said is actually, he's correct. There's not a lot of information that is being filtered to us. So we have to find ways, like you're doing right now on Black Filmmakers Friday, in which Black Filmmakers Lounge is to feed the information to each other and to, the audience that's listening, because the more information that we get, the better we will be when it comes time for us to work, you know, to do our own things, you know, like when I'm able to get on Instagram live and talk with my cast director or talk with one of my actors and actresses or talk with my cinematographer or my script supervisor, or my crew members, I want people to listen, especially actors to listen to the process, what goes on behind the scenes because if an actor knows a lot of things about the business to me it makes him a better actor right Um, Mm -hmm. that's just me and it makes him a better person within the business because what if you not what if you aren't acting for a year then you can take a lot of that knowledge and and produce or maybe direct if you want to so i think it's always best for any body to be well-rounded. I know they always say, well, find one thing that you can stick to. I am with that. Try to do everything that you can because again, options are great. But if you're not working as a director, then maybe you can produce somebody's project. Or if you're not producing somebody's project, maybe you can work as a director. Or if you're not directing or producing, you can work as an actor. Um, You know, if you're not acting, writing, producing, maybe you can be someone's particularly production manager or line producer if you're really good with numbers and and you're organized so it's just a lot of options that we need to know about and you know you know try to tap into it as well you know but i'm glad you brought up the instagram lives because i'm gonna start doing those more just to give back gain and knowledge so people and have the confidence to do their own projects, and right. you know, also network doing those IG lives. You know, after we're done, you know, hit people up in the DM and say, hey, you know, I would like to talk with you more, and maybe we can, if you're in my area, let's work together. Things of that sort. But it's all about networking too, and getting a good, a good group of networkers who are not particularly going to use each other, but instead help each other. Mm. and not backstab each other. I hope that makes sense to the audience what I just said. Not use each other, help each other, right. but not backstab each other.
0: Break that. <laughs> yeah, I break that down for them, though. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay, so meaning, let's say, for example, you meet someone, they say, hey, um, I want to work with you. Okay, cool. Um, well, you can be my assistant. Cool. Be, be my assistant. Learn under me. Get the knowledge. Because you're not using me. You're actually helping me. And I'm assisting you or getting knowledge, right? But once you get all the knowledge from me, and then you go and talk crazy or negatively and lie on me to other people, that's what I call backstabbing. I'm not saying it's happened to me, I'm just giving an example for your audience. Right. You know what I mean? Um, or if, let's say for another example, you work with me, <laughs> let's, you, you, let's say you might, Mike, Mike, you work with me and Let's say there was someone who contacted you to get to me to direct the job and you tell them, okay, I'll I'll try to get in contact with Chris, but listen, I'm actually your guy. I can do this job. You know, that's backstabbing at its finest, you know, hit me up and say, yo, Chris, someone wants to talk to you about a job and if I'm busy, I might say, hey, Mike, I'm busy, but I'm recommending you for the job. That's right. helping. That's helping. You know, like you know, that's that's what I kind of mean by that.
0: No, I got and I you. Hope, and
1: I hope that makes sense to the audience. You know, when they see when, when they're listening now, and then when they hear it later, because if we can start doing that, if we can start helping, more blessings will come. Our way, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, But I know it's a dog-eat-dog world within this industry and people have to do what they have to do to survive or get on top ahead of the other person, unfortunately. But like I said earlier, we're not built that way because what's meant for us will be meant for us to do and to seek
0: right no i you know? i have a firm belief that the only person i'm ever and will ever be in competition with is myself i'm only as good as my last project that's right that's and right. i just got to keep grinding and doing better i'm not in competition yeah. with them I, I keep telling people you know how many different movies mm. have the same theme as romeo and juliet yeah made oh, by yeah. different people Absolutely. and they still get sold i can Absolutely. list them all um, Absolutely. how many how many superhero movies they are out there it, we are we are psychologically sold competition but the mm-hmm. truth is I, I have to tell people the person that works as the let's say the CEO of Pepsi mm-hmm. at one point they might have been the vice president at Coca-Cola. Right. Then they might have worked at Black and Decker and then they might have right. worked here. But I mean, they all know each other mm-hmm. and they're cool. They're friends. Mm-hmm. They're not in competition. We as um Blacks, African-Americans, mm-hmm. we tend to find competition with each other for some strange reason. Yeah. And yeah. we don't need to. We don't
1: There's really know. There's enough
0: don't. food up there. Every, I, if you think about it, a rap album sell because people like the music. You're going to buy all these albums. You have a collection yep. in your house. Yep. You know, so when we're trying to outdo each other and get ahead from each other, it's kind of like, it's more damaging because we yeah. have the ability to have each other's audiences which yes. helps us grow our brand. Yes
1: sir preach preach brother preach
0: you know? so, yeah so All
1: right. yes sir.
0: in your opinion, what are mm-hmm. we missing or need or in need of to be viable in this industry as African Americans of course blacks
1: we need we need financing man we need um, we need people that have money to start believing and investing in film. We need people with money to understand how film is when it comes to investing. We need financing and top financing, what I mean by top financing, financing where we can actually put a greater quality product out and really tell a really good story but the financing is the main issue. Um, for whatever reason, it's just hard for us to find financing. But we, we still make it do what it do at the independent level, what we do have, right? But to answer your question solely, it's the financing, man. You know, because... And even the resources as well. But finance will be number one because you need financing to, to get certain resources to make a movie. So it will be financing for sure. Like, it'll be great if... Um, African American millionaires and billionaires put up a fund, you know, for black films, man. And you get five million, and you get five million, and you get five million, and you get five million. You You know, and I'm not even saying if they give us the five million that we make one movie with five million. We'd be smart. Maybe we can make 10 movies at Mm $500,000,
0: right?
1: So they can have an avenue. To make their five million back on different products, you know, um, it would be great. Uh, but again, we shall see. I uh, know right now we're in a state of the world where uh, millions of people are unemployed now. So millions of people are holding on to their money because they don't know what's going to happen uh, with this particular recession uh, due to COVID 19. But at the same time, same token, I really wish we could find more financing for our independent black film projects.
0: That's right on time. Cause, um, Tamira TK Henderson, she'll be, she's writing scripts with me and uh, okay. she's written scripts for me. Uh, mm-hmm. she'll be on the show tomorrow. She just awesome. said, we need the money. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's real. That's real talk. We need the money. I mean, that's to goodness the goodness of truth. We need the money <laughs> for real, yeah. you know?
0: All right. Now, this one um, is, go, I'm a, we'll get back to the money thing, but I, I want to. Sure. Do you think, okay, do black independent filmmakers have a responsibility to the culture?
1: Oh, all day long. It's a, that's, mm. that's, that's, to me, that's another reason why we make our independent black films. We do it for the culture. We do it for, again, the audience, the community, because there's so many stories that need to be told from our point of view it is for the culture, man. It, it is to help maybe save a life or two, you know. Um, that's real, you know, save a relationship, you know. Um, save a person from maybe um, committing suicide or something, you know. Save a person right. from having a bad day at work to they watch one of our films and it's funny and that makes their day turn into a better evening, per se. So we definitely got to do things for the culture. That's real right there, bro. For real. <laughs>
0: Yeah, speaking of that, because um, have you ever watched? I mean, not watched but you've been where you've screened your film, and mm-hmm. audience comes up to you. Has anybody said something so poignant it just stayed with you, and it helped you make more films? Like, is there something oh. you remember?
1: Oh yeah, man! I had um, I it was for the movie Seventy Two Hours. We had a screening, and a guy came up to me confidentially and said, Hey man, I'm that guy found in the movie. I'm about to change my ways. Mm. I was like, "Oof!" I see. He said, I'm, I've done some wrong things to women. I'm going to call them, meet with them and apologize to them. Because he said that movie really touched him. And this was a brother, you know? So I thought that was really great. And that kept me motivated because I knew my audience was women But now in my head, I'm saying, well, maybe I can get some more brothers to start watching my films also instead of being forced by their women to watch my movies with them. Maybe they might want to just check out a Christopher Nolan film on their own, per se, you know, or after they watch it with their girl, they might watch it a second time and see something different that could potentially help them. So, yeah, man, um, I'm always encouraged whenever I hear people or they DM me inbox me some things about the film that kind of touched them per se real talk that keeps me motivated absolutely
0: oh definitely yes sir all right Um, what was the most important advice Mm -hmm. that you received when you were starting off as a filmmaker
1: keep shooting keep going you're going to fail but it's okay don't stop keep going That's the best advice I was given from several other filmmakers that were doing it. And it made sense to me. And that's what I kept doing. I just kept shooting, I kept going, even though um, some of my earlier times might've been tough, but I just kept going and just kept getting better and kept learning, um, kept getting the experience, kept researching, you know, kept trying different things, kept, learning things from cinematographers, uh, sound operators, you know, the editors Um, because to me learning and doing is really really important in not just in filmmaking, but in life, you know, so I'll tell everybody that's a filmmaker now, an aspiring filmmaker, keep shooting, keep learning, um, keep trying to get the most experience you can. Even if you're not getting paid for it, that experience can take you a whole nother level and you can get paid for that experience in the long run later on down the line.
0: Mm. I have a uh, question in the uh, comment section from Michael okay. uh, Grayson. He asked, mm-hmm. "What is, for example, what is an example of a bad distribution deal? So many filmmakers have had mm-hmm. them, but mm-hmm. no one tells you what a good one looks like.
1: That's a great question because all distribution deals are different and they're different based on what you shot the movie for, who's your investor group, how much money you have to return. So, um, I can't really say what's a bad deal because maybe some of the filmmakers want to just get their movie out there. So the distributor might just say, Hey, listen, I'll give you $5,000. And I'm going to put it on these streaming platforms per se. And you might take that five thousand. At least you're going to get your film out there, get your name out there, get some the notoriety. Because sometimes filmmakers make films for their different reasons. So, um, but truth be told, if we want to talk about distributors, um, they're they're capitalists. I mean, their goal is to get the most out of us filmmakers, you know, and they have the, the avenues to distribute your film, you know, so it depends on what you want and what you're really looking for. Um, so, I mean, that's a, I can't really give a concrete answer like, yes, uh, getting a seventy thirty deal is bad. I can't say that because that might be good for a filmmaker based on what they shot the film for and based on their investors they're working with. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, because I, I think it's how much you're looking at return on investment, mm-hmm. you know, so you got to look at the business aspect of the whole thing. Right. Um, if you have investors, and I remember you said it, if you're going to get mm-hmm. investors, you need to be invested in your film. Correct. You know, That's you correct. need to have some money up. So if you got a $100,000 mm-hmm. budget, then you need to put mm-hmm. in 10000 of it.
1: Yeah, we need and to and put that, something that was the in. the
0: conversation it. we had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I will say this too, though, uh, Mike, that distribution comes in various ways, man. And, you know, you just have to really understand your budget mm-hmm. and understand your audience. So once you understand your budget, you don't go over budget or you go over just a little bit and you understand your audience. There are certain distributors that are looking for certain films that they only want to distribute. Right. If they really want to distribute it. Um, you can make it work but i always want to tell filmmakers to get you a representative to represent you when you're talking to distributors because distributors prey on talking directly to well i take that back no they don't i just say get representation get a sales agent get a producer's rep that knows these distributors that have these relationships with these distributors so they can try to work you out a pretty good deal um that's what i have i have a great sales agent, man, and he really knows my films, knows what market to put my films at, knows how to get them distributed. So really, once you're making a film, you wanna get distribution, but before that, gets a sales agent, a producer's rep, that wants to rep your film, right. so they can get distribution for you. And I know somebody's gonna ask, so how do you get one? You actually get a sales agent or a producer's rep when you put your film in these film festivals a lot of these producers, reps and sales agents are at these film festivals looking for up and coming filmmakers so they can represent their films. You know, Uh, that's really how you get a sales agent. I mean, that's how I got mine. I had one of my films out in LA and he hit me. He was like, yo, I like that movie. Um, let's talk, let's do lunch tomorrow. And the rest is history, you know?
0: Mm, Yeah. I think it's interesting because, um, People overlook film festivals, but you mm-hmm. and it, the thing is, you got to be careful what film festivals you submit to. That's true. Uh, That's true. Because there's true a lot, too. there's a lot of them popping up. You That's know? true. And some people are using it ways to make money uh, off of the filmmakers, while others are really legit. Uh, true. I know for my uh, first feature film I did, we mm-hmm. went, the first year we got into five different festivals, and one was the Independent Black Film Festival in Nashville, and mm-hmm. They had tons of workshops and I made a lot of connections and met people. And that's, that's the thing I will stress. And it's expensive to go to a film festival. But uh, you meet people. You meet the entertainment lawyers. You meet um, other filmmakers who are working on projects you might be a part of or can invest in yourself or y'all can uh, gravitate and work on something. You know, uh, you meet... The distributors but you also have those workshops where people are dropping knowledge like we're doing right now right. um but it, it's a great experience i would say to anybody if you can get your projects short feature whatever into a festival uh pick them based upon your actual film product and get them in there see if you can get them in there and you're gonna get rejected i i I have more rejections than I got more selections. <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. Um <clears throat> What and how, or how, do you think the Black film industry will look like in the next five to ten years? I'm hoping
1: it looks grand for us, brother. I'm hoping that there are more avenues for independent, Black independent films to get bigger distribution markets. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of see theater. I don't know about theatrical anymore, Mike. I don't know, man. Um, I know they're talking about bringing drive-ins back, but in the theaters, man, they're going to probably cut down a lot of seats, right?
0: Yeah, you're so, going to have to. I know um, so some of the plans for like AMC and other spots mm-hmm. is to um, go down to 50% capacity Wow.
1: Wow. Okay. If they do that, bro, definitely you definitely want to start with the next five to ten years. It's going to be a lot of stuff streaming. I'm telling you that right now. A lot of stuff is going to be streaming for sure because people are going to just start watching stuff at the crib. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, even right now, the studios are you got to pay 20-plus dollars to watch a movie they want to release at the studio level instead of going to the theater. You can watch it at the crib on demand, per se. But hoping the next five to 10 years, there are going to be a group of black billionaires that come together and say, we're going to put a fund of $150 million for strictly black independent films, and we're going to go and recruit Uh, Christopher Nolan and Michael Melvin to head that fund and (laughs) give out money to those up-and-coming filmmakers to make sensational black independent films to tell our stories. That's what I hope happens, brother. I hope we can get some real funding um, to make our films, but I also hope we have a real community of that 10% to really help each other out, guide each other, and support each other. Because if we can do that, that's just as good as getting money. Or it's I would not gonna say just as good as. It's good for us to get that along with the finance per se. Okay. Yes, sir.
0: And and then speaking of, let's talk about platforms because you are on a bunch of platforms.
1: I am. I mean, Thank BT, you, brother.
0: Netflix, Amazon, yeah. mm-hmm. um, UMD, yeah. uh, UMC. I'm sorry. Yes, urban sir. Movie UMC.
1: Yes, sir. Um, yeah.
0: Let's talk about it. How, how can it's because, like, you know, a lot of filmmakers are like, wait, how do I get on a platform? What do I need to do?
1: Just like I said earlier, I have a sales agent who has great relationships with all those networks and those streaming platforms. So I've been blessed to give to make films where those mm-hmm. films fit. Those particular platforms, what they're looking for, for the content. Right. So that's how you get on. That sales agent or producer's rep, they're the same thing. Okay. They're going to really help guide where your films are going to go because they know what audience those certain streaming platforms networks are looking for. So getting a, making a movie and then getting it in front of a particular sales agent it's gonna do wonders for a lot of black independent filmmakers. It really, really is. Cause it's gonna be really hard for us as filmmakers to get things distributed ourselves. Most distributors want to talk with people they already know. Okay. Cause it's called a relationship. So to build those relationships, you have to get a sales agent who's gonna look out for you and your career, with the films that you make, so that's that's the key, man. Real talk. Mm. Yes, sir.
0: Man, this yes, is sir. wonderful, wonderful information, man. I I hope Thank that you, everybody's listening. Um, I hope so I got too. a question, but why I ask this question? I want to open up. Uh, the opportunity for people to ask questions. So if you have some questions, uh, drop them in the comments so we can uh, discuss those questions. Uh, My question is, um, what was the hardest lesson you had to learn as a filmmaker?
1: Hardest lesson that I had to learn as a filmmaker? Uh, Again, uh, just hiring people (laughs) that... Just weren't good for that particular job, and then I had to go back and cover up some things, and not cover up, but redo some things. And I mean, it took a toll on me, but I was happy to do it because I learned, I learned a lot from those, from that experience.
0: So, actually, let's think about that for a second because. Um... How are you on planning the pre-production? Because a lot of people, I feel like, overlook pre-production. They <laughs> like to jump ahead of it. And I'm, I'm talking about the full pre-production. I'm not talking about, I'm just going to write a script. <laughs>
1: man, bro. Pre-production is key, man. I, I think my key department heads, sometimes they might get tired of me. Not actually, they don't. I'm teasing. I really, <laughs> I really talk with them daily. We're doing pre-production. I mean, we do pre-production and some people say do it for two weeks. I think when I know I have the money in the bank, ready to go, I start right away. So it can be months because the pre-production independent film project, the more you plan, the better principal photography, meaning shooting is going to be. Um, so communicating with the producers, the cinematographer, the um, the production designer, the sound operator, the location manager, the script supervisor. Oh man, uh, it's key. And then with the actors, man, um, I'm always, because I don't have rehearsal time, I can't fly everybody in and have a rehearsal every day. I I can't afford that. So I talk to them via text, email, phone calls, If they don't want to pick up the phone, they're going to get a text from me. They're going to get an email from me. Um, I'm going to be definitely communicating with them what I want, what I need, and then I'm asking them what they want and what they need. I'm collaborating with them. What do you need from me as your director to to have the best performance? Because my job is not to make you look crazy on camera. My job is to make you look the best and do do the best for yourself and for the project. And It's been working out, man. It's been working out really well with that. Uh, the pre-production is key. People, pre-production is the key. Don't trip. It is real. Mm. Let the people know. Let the people know, man. <laughs> Let them know. It's, it's time it to is sure, real. but I think
0: you can. I think sometimes, um, and and we get caught up thinking some. You know, budgets are budgets. We have to understand that. Right. Um, films are made based on their budget. You know, it's the quality is based on their budget and it is based on their niche audience. But Mm -hmm. if we plan, we can execute a really good film for a budget. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. um, Sometimes I I think that we can get ourselves in trouble because we don't plan and we think we need a lot of money. Right. You're right. Um, I got here's a question because, you know, I i sit in groups and i listen and i watch and people are always debating this stuff <clears throat> so what is part of your repertoire or uh repertoire as a filmmaker when it comes to the software you use mm.
1: um i mean you know not i want to say cost effective because software for um, editing is important um, right. So we have to we have to get the top notch that, and then software for budgeting, software for script writing, software for scheduling. And you so know what I mean, software I,
0: are you using? What, what do use, you use to write your scripts? Cause uh, I like Final
1: Draft. Final drive all day long. That is the industry standard. Um, to break down a script, you use a Movie. We use Movie Magic scheduling, Movie Magic budgeting. Uh, we use Final Cut Pro for editing. Um, you know, I guess we use top-of-the-line stuff, man. You, you know what? I, yeah, top-of-the-line. That's that's what we have to use because at least we're gonna put the money into there. Right. You know, to make sure we're on point from beginning to end with the script, with the budget, with the schedule, and then of course with the edit. So yeah, we have to do that, man. You know, there's no cutting corners around there. Can't do that.
0: We got a question for you, uh, Whitney. asked, What advice would you give a 32-year-old aspiring writer filmmaker who is literally starting from scratch? Mm-hmm. I've been teaching. I've been a teacher for nine years, and all of my degrees are in education. I feel like this is such uh, a late transition uh, into a career, into a new career. However, she has a burning desire to do it.
1: Continue to teach Whitney because, like Michael and I talked earlier, teaching will make you a better filmmaker because you have to, again, um, deal with different personalities, be organized, and collaborate. Don't leave that job. (laughs) That's the next thing. Do not leave your teaching job. No. You need that teacher's money to help you fund your dream. So if you can afford to put about 10 to 15% of your check away in a separate bank account for your dream, your movie, do that. Because like I said earlier, millions of people aren't working, but teachers are still working because we can teach via online still. So don't leave that teaching job. Put some of that money up to 10 to 15% to the side and continue to hone your craft as a communicator, collaborator. If you're writing, keep writing. Write something that you know, um, that you've experienced or you've seen somebody experience something that helps better with the writing and makes it more real. Um, Also, don't leave your job. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> do not leave your job. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, and you can don't hire
0: people. It. Like when you write your right. script, you can hire a script consultant, yeah. uh, another script writer to write your script. You can do the outline and have somebody uh, write your script with you. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is, as a teacher, this is how, I, like I said before, mm-hmm. I got the summer off. I can shoot mm-hmm. my films during the summer. True. I got True. Christmas off. True. You got 15 days in in Oddly, people think movies should take a long time to film. It depends on the movie. If you're doing a romantic sure. film, you don't need 30 days. Right. right. <laughs> you know. Uh, I think that's the misconception also on the planning side, because mm-hmm. I've heard that um Tyler Perry did a uh his last movie on Netflix, and somebody said he did it in um five days.
1: He did, he shot and, in five days.
0: Yeah, and 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 they're complaining oh it's shot in five that's the problem and i'm like no movies are no, shot not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a short period of time yeah you know the short amount of days your you shoot on the set. Lesser
1: the budget. yeah yeah the lesser amount of days you shoot the lesser budget your your budget would be because you don't have to pay everybody for so many days every day you shoot and you have to pay people um, to shoot and so when tyler does his movies in five days can't be mad at him he has three to four cameras on set every day, right? If we can get that, we can definitely shoot movies in five days, also because we have the resources to make it happen. Um, sometimes too, people have to our people, especially man. We got to get off that. We got to still support each other, even if it is a good or bad movie. Um, we just got to keep doing it, man. I, I'll say that. I'll be honest. I've always supported any type of movie I can. If I can't go see it, I'm going to go online and buy a ticket, you know,
0: okay.
1: because the more support we get, the more potential, maybe people want to finance our projects, man. That's how I look at it, you know, in my eyes per se, you know, yeah. but um, yeah. Yeah.
0: And movie like music, movies art it's all subjective. It's, it's based on mm-hmm. the audience and how that person feels about it. There's movies I get in debates with other people who they like mm. it. I didn't like it, but we still saw it, right? <laughs> you know, we right, still right, right. watched it. Absolutely, so, no, that's real. So, that's real. You talk, know, and that's man. the thing we have to understand that I'm not going to let people tell me how bad a movie is, and I'm not going to go watch it because that's someone else's opinion, and their taste and my taste is two different things.
1: Well, let me you hit know. you on some hit you all on some game too, though. Um, when you say a movie is bad. People still go see if it's bad. They go right. still watch it. That's like good publicity. Man, that movie was garbage. <laughs> Man, for real. Let me let me go see. So you go ahead and you go see the movie. You know, I mean it's it's good publicity still per se, you know. So I mean I think that's happened to a lot of our films, even in Hollywood. People talk about how bad it is, they want people like, we be like, man, let me go see how bad it really. it ain't that bad, let me go see, <laughs> you know. And then when you watch it, you might be like, it wasn't that bad, you might be like, wow, that was bad. So, you know, it just, it, it just helps, you know, the publicity sometimes can work in your favor when people say your stuff is garbage, you know, it could, yeah. you know, per se. Who knows these days, man? You know who knows. As long as you have a, as long as you have an audience. Hold on, y'all. All right. Okay, and we're back. Um, <laughs> once you have, <laughs> once you have an audience, and you have an audience that's true to you, that also inspires you to keep making films, man. I mean, I'll be honest, man. I, I made a lot of films, but I'm inspired by my audience to keep making them. You yeah, know?
0: Shelley said, let's uh let me go see. That's what people say. Let me go see. What you talking exactly.
1: about? Exactly. That's real. That's real talk <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: And, and real. that's the thing. I, I think that um, like I said, art is always subjective. But yes. um if you look at a lot of our films, when Hollywood mm-hmm. makes them, they give us mm-hmm. the least amount of budget. Oh and, yeah. And we tend to break through and make way more money and then they take that money and and finance the other films.
1: Yes. Now, it's funny you say that, Brother Mike. Um, Yes, we do get the lowest amount of money for the budget and then we come out in droves to see certain films of ours. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, when they give us a budget that's low, and we don't support it that kills us as black filmmakers as a whole so that's why anytime a movie will come out from the studio I'm definitely paying money to see that because good or bad because we need it for us for the filmmaking black filmmaking community we need all of our films to keep doing well so this the studio system said you know what they make these, these movies are making money uh, we need to keep making them that's real you know, you keep making these money, making these movies, you know, with these lower budgets. And I mean, if you get a budget of five, six million dollars, man, that's like heaven for us because we working with way much lower, you know, but more money does mean more problems. That is real with the song from Biggie. More money, more problems. That's real. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Straight up <laughs> on the <a> rail, bro.
0: <laughs> Straight up. So, um, if you could, hold Mm -hmm. on. Is there? Listen. So we we wait for some of y'all if you got questions. Right. So go ahead and post them up in the comments. However, if you could give a filmmaker a good piece of advice that they can walk away with, because you gave them a lot of jewels today. Sure. So, what's something that they need to hold on to?
1: Don't quit your day job or night job and don't quit making movies. Um, Invest in yourself. Um, Try to get a great team that supports you, that believes in you. Um, And also start networking and trying to find those particular film festivals that will have those sales agents or producer reps that are going to come and continue to network with people like yourself myself and other filmmakers that are doing it and that are not worried about sharing knowledge at all um and then continue to believe in your in your God, you know, because right. he is going to bless you with people that you need to be surrounded by, uh the the knowledge in your brain to go research, to make films, learn about the business, etc. So I think those things I want people to take from this today and also if you got any questions you can hit me up like you know even if I have my assistant assistants they might answer but they're going to get back to me right away and let me know who was trying to reach out to me and then I'm going to reach back out to you um, regarding if you need any questions um, or questions answered per se. Because I'm a firm believer that we can all do this together and what's meant for us will be for us, man. Um, Because I love doing what I do as an educator, as a film director, as a producer. I love doing this, man. I love being able to shape minds, um, tell stories. Um, I love teaching. Like a lot of my movies, they have several messages in them. That's because that's a teacher in me, you know, and I really look forward to keep doing that after this pandemic is over. And in the meantime, be patient. That's another thing, be patient. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want this to come right away. No, it's not going to come right away. Um, rarely does success come right away um, They usually say remember Frederick Douglass stating without struggle, there is no progress. It's real though
0: right
1: You're going to struggle a little bit to be you know to be successful. So I don't want to say embrace the struggle, but I kind of do want to say it so when a struggle happens, pause and figure out, how to maneuver and get through the struggle so you can be successful.
0: Yeah, you um, have, to have that the ability sense. to adapt. Yeah, so absolutely when it comes to learning to adapt. Uh, yes. we got a question on the table um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Charlie Leon, He said, if you had 10 million dollar if you had a 10 million dollar budget to make any genre film your heart desires, which genre would you choose and why? And this question goes to the both of us.
1: Hmm. Can I? Okay. They're asking just for for 10 million, a 10 million budget, because what I would want to do is take that 10 million and make multiple films with multiple genres because then I'm feeding different audiences. And now we're talking about the business side of it. Now we have whoever put up the 10 million, they have, different avenues and other incomes coming in for different films so that's what i would do but to answer your particular question directly about the 10 million (laughs) dollars in the genre i'm going to do (laughs) yes
0: it's a hard one right
1: but 10 million dollars It will be. It will be a beautiful love story. It will be a romantic, beautiful love story. That's what I'll do for that ten million dollar budget because I want that. I want that movie to touch hearts all over the world. That's what I'll do with the ten million dollars. It would be a beautiful, romantic love story.
0: Uh, I uh, I have two things. Uh, okay depending. See, my first thought is to take that $10 million and chop it up. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's, that's,
1: that's real. Like, that's, I'm the same way, brother. I'm films. the same way, man. So, yeah. I <laughs> feel well, you, man. I feel you.
0: But uh, I always want to do a uh, biopic about Sam Cooke. Awesome. That would I mean, be that's, great. That's, that's, that's one of my favorite artists. Um, Sam uh, or if I do be the one to do a movie about Prince. But um if not, um with ten million, I would do um a uh, a piece about black culture.
1: Mm-hmm. But in culture. a manner
0: that it's not dealing with slavery or the past, that it deals mm-hmm. with the future. Yeah, I like that, bro. I like okay. that. I would either take a, the black culture into the sci fi genre era or I would have an argument, pretty much a political dissertation on film okay. in a dr- in a good drama.
1: Sure. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's good, man. And also, too, just to add another one, I would do a sports movie. Mm. If I could, I would do a sports movie. Um, yeah, I would. That would be another thing I would do, too. So romantic, beautiful, romantic love story or sports movie to answer that. Particular question, but like I said, my, my, my I would take that ten million, and I would split it up and make different films. That's what I would do.
0: <laughs> that's the first thing I a, thought about. Yeah, like, can I can yeah. I make can I make can I make ten <laughs> films with a million? <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, bro. I mean, you know. that's real, man. That's just, that's what we just call show business, man. got to start thinking with a business mind as filmmakers. We always want to think always creatively. That's true. But we also to start thinking with our mind um, with the business aspect of it. Um, we also have to start looking at the budgets and be like, yo, this doesn't make sense to spend all this money here. Let's put a little bit of this money here. This will be more important. So you have to kind of understand that mm-hmm. too, man. You know. Um, especially with COVID nineteen after after this is over with, it's gonna be a lot of changes on set. It's gonna be it's not gonna be as many people on set anymore either. Um, this is gonna be the immediate people that you need to shoot on set, you know. You know what? All, yeah, that's real. Tell
0: me. Tell us, cause you talked about it last night. So yeah. uh, talk about your, your filming plan after this. You yeah bro, so, like. so
1: for me, what I'm gonna start doing is um, I'm gonna start looking for different types of locations that I'm gonna be shooting at. Uh, meaning I would love for it to, it's gonna look great on camera, but also when I have to have a location where I can store people, Some inside the home or place and then some outside just to practice social distancing and to be safe. Right. Right. Um, Also, I'm now going to start utilizing my script supervisor even more on set. Not only will she be my right and left hand, but she's also going to be the right and left hand for my makeup artist, my costume designer wardrobe, and also the hairstylist, because I'm probably not going to be able to have my vanity team around on set because of social distancing. Okay. So they're going to be communicating a lot with my script supervisors doing continuity, you know. Um, also, I'm going to start having of all of my food catering will be all packaged. Nothing will be out anymore. Packaged meals. Package crafty. Nothing will be out and open. None. Everybody's getting food packaged. So when I talk to my crew members and cast, they must send they must reply back to an email on what they can and cannot eat so we can know what to get them for the breakfast, lunch and dinner while we're on set packaged. So those are some changes that I'm gonna be doing immediate. And then I'm gonna start doing some more research on the COVID-19. I mean, we're, of course we're gonna wear masks and gloves. So I'll have that on set every day. I'm also gonna have a nurse on set or nurses take shifts. On set, okay, to take temperatures per se as well before we start shooting. Um, so yeah, that's what I'll be doing, and I'm not going to shoot anything. It's a 2021 anyway, I'm not doing nothing this year,
0: right? Because I, I was wondering about you know, both you and I we tend to do dramas and romantic films,
1: yeah. mm-hmm.
0: and I was like, well, I'm gonna have a kissing scene right now, yeah, you know, it, it, you yeah. can't. Because you don't
1: know. Not right now. Not right now. Nope. Not right now. I mean, you know, in 2021, 2022, when things get better, once we have more information on everything, it'll be better. But um, right now, that would be too huge of a risk unless people, unless you trust people quarantining themselves for the 14 days before you shoot, you know, um, it's, it's cool to do quarantine when you're local, but what if you're bringing a, an actor from Hollywood out? I mean, you can't afford to put nobody up in a hotel for almost a month, you know right, what I'm saying? So
0: start
1: shooting, yeah. Yeah, we have to be looking more strategic with that if people are trying to shoot now. But a lot of these unions, SAG, DGA, they're not hearing that right now. They're being very, very cautious, and they're taking their time, which I really respect.
0: Yeah, the I was thinking... Right I was kind of thinking about animation might be the way to go for a period of time.
1: Well, it's um, funny you say that because I'm working on an animation piece now, um, myself, you know, and it is the way to go, but I, I've always wanted to do animation anyway, because yeah. that's something that's not on my resume, but it's, it will be on my resume now. I mean, that's a good thing that you say animation is a way to go. Um, also, man, even, Documentaries are good. Are are really good to do right now, too, if it's a very intriguing documentary, per se, because you can really have people kind of shoot themselves on any type of phone, and all you have to do is to be creative for how you kind of splice it and edit it to put the documentary together, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Your your subject matter has to actually change, which could make us... Well, it can't. I mean, it will make us a lot more creative in how Mm -hmm. we approach... Uh, making yeah, films and doing projects. I know, yeah. you know, the reality is because of the whole COVID thing, you're going to see a slew of movies that are about COVID. Uh, you're going to oh, see, yeah. <laughs> you know, you probably oh. see some zombie, zombie pictures going to get bigger now because right. uh, of the, you right. know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to think like, I am legend. You might see some more stuff like that. So you know, right. with just a couple of actors on set, period.
1: Or even if people start doing romantic films, you can start seeing the, the actors they're about to engage, and then you fade to black and use the right. audience's imagination, you know. You don't really have to show it anymore, you know, because uh-huh. they might not be comfortable. You know, Take it back about to the getting, old school. Yeah, you just do old school. Like, you, you know they're about to get down, they look at each other, they lean in, and then you fade to black. And then you bring it back up and then they're laying in the bed. I mean, that's movie magic. I mean, that's, you know, what went down, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, you know, one person is laying in the bed, other person's in the kitchen cooking and baking an eggs or something, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> you know, that's how you get creative, you know, as well when you want to do a romantic film per se, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right though, Mike, a lot of films are going to be made about the quarantine, COVID-19, so, if you if people are making those type of films, it must stand out because it's going to be a straight competition on those <laughs> slew of films <laughs> for real, bro. A, a competition of who's the best film that we want to pick up that's about quarantine or is about COVID nineteen or is another yeah. horror another horror flick. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I see it happening already. Um, mm. Just with some shorts online, okay. Uh, people have already done it, so I, I already figured that that's the direction a lot of people are going to go in. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's going to be cheaper if you only got one or two actors on set. Correct. You know, it it gets cheaper, but you got it. Your storytelling has to be phenomenal.
1: It has to be, man. It has to be really phenomenal. The editing must be phenomenal. But the director and the cinematographer must be able to get the pieces, the shots on set for the editor to be able to cut to make it a phenomenal story. And that's one thing that when you're filmmaking, when you're directing, and then even when you're a producer, I always tell people when you're directing, make sure you get your master shots and you get your close-ups. If you don't get nothing else for a scene, get those shots first. Because you can cut with a master and close ups. Then you can start thinking about your creative shots you want to get to tell your a story. Um, I'm old school. I'm getting my master first, mm-hmm. and then I'm going right away to get my close-ups of my actors. Then I'm going to probably pull it back and maybe get a medium or get a moving dolly tracking shot as well. But I got to get my master's and close-ups first so I can have something to cut with the independent film, for real. I got to do it. You know, So that's another nugget I want to drop to your audience. If you're directing, get your master, get your close-ups first. Then you can start getting your other shots you need to cut to tell the story. This is my opinion.
0: Bit of knowledge. Do you, as a director, are you a storyboard, shot list, or both?
1: I used to do storyboard and shot list, man. But when I got on set, man... I, And then I did block with my actors. I just threw everything away. So um, I am now an experienced director that when I I don't do any type of shot list until I go into the location. Mm -hmm. And it's a preliminary shot list. It is not my final shot list. My final shot list will always come after I do the blocking with the actors on set. And then I'll, I'll talk to my cinematographer and my first AD and what the shots that I want to get and then we'll put them in order based on um, where we're shooting per se so um, plus I can really you know I can really say this man you can put a shot list together and the main shot list would be masters and close-ups but you really don't know what your shot list is going to be until you really are in that space until you really see those actors move in that space as well That's just my opinion on that, for sure. Now, don't get me wrong. Some producers or executives might want to see a shot list so they can kind of understand how the day is going to run and, you know, budget-wise. That's fine. But creatively, you just don't know until you block it with your actors in the space. You know what I mean? (laughs) Truth be told, that's like real talk to me, man. You know?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I'm that person... I've done the storyboards. I've done the shot list.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I sit down, go through the script, comb through it, and write what I'm going to do. Yeah. And um, some some of it happens. Some of it doesn't.
1: Absolutely, man. You know, you but know. I
0: do always basic shot. Get the master shot first. Yeah. yeah. Get your close-ups.
1: Absolutely. You got to do that, you know? man. Like, You just got to do that. On an independent project, you got to do that. Because you don't have, you're not going to have a lot of time really to get all the, you could do, let's say you do creative shot first. That could take three hours to get done. Mm-hmm. Then that's almost 30 a day gone. But if you can get that master, especially at the top of the scene and at the end of the scene and even at the middle of the scene that you can cut in between with the close-ups, man, you good. You know, then you can start getting your creative shots and start adding that magic around the master and the close-up as well. All right, all
0: right. Yeah, man. Dude, this yes is, is good knowledge, man. Um,
1: the and then last... I'll, I'll say, I mean, my fault. Not to cut you off, but also in That's the good. close-ups to even make it look even better, we can you can start getting the over the shoulders dirty, meaning you still have the other actor in the close-up with the other actor. You have the camera on, so the other actor can still be engaged, right? And then. Mm-hmm. Also, you can go through the whole scene with that close-up. Even if the actor is not speaking, you can still get their reactions. So you can cut to that as well. So if the actor is, as uh, they're listening to somebody and they're buttoning up their shirt, you can even get a close-up of a cutaway of that. You know as well in that particular scene. So you just have a lot to play with when it comes to cutting that particular scene. I want to add that as well. My bad.
0: Oh, no, no, you're good, you're good. Uh, actually, I had a question about actors. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. In your opinion, not, well, um, an actor is being unprofessional. How do you manage that type of situation?
1: Um, I haven't really had that, so I've been blessed. But if I did have that... Um, I would probably put them to the side and ask them politely what's going on what's wrong. Let's talk because we're both here to do a job and um, we'll we'll get it rectified there. Then we'll go back on set, we'll shoot they will go back to their room or or a trailer if they have one. And I'll go back and check up on them because they could have just had a bad day. Something could have happened to them on the way to set. Something could have happened to them last night. You just want to communicate with okay. that particular actor on why they're acting unprofessional, per se, you know? And if they are still acting unprofessional after I talk with them and. You know that obviously they don't want to be on the project so that's why every director producer must have backups you have your number one you got a number two you got number three if you gotta go to the number two you gotta go to number two or if you have to cut some scenes out Mm
0: -hmm.
1: gotta cut some scenes out you know or you have to rewrite some scenes, you have to write some scenes. It's, you just have to do... It just, those are the last options if communicating with that particular actor isn't working. But usually when you communicate with an actor, it'll work. But you but you have to understand, though, when you're casting, you have to do your research when it comes to casting. You have to see and, and, and do reference checks on this, some of these actors to see how they are on set. Because you don't have time on an independent film set for people to be acting unprofessional. You just don't have time for that. Right. You know? If I gotta to talk to an actor about being unprofessional, that could take, who knows, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and we're losing time now. I got I never wanna have my crew waiting to shoot. That's one thing I don't wanna do. As a director, I never wanna have my crew waiting to shoot. I never wanna have my talent waiting to shoot. When we're ready to shoot, I need everybody, both talent and crew, ready to go. I don't want them waiting on anybody. I just... That's unprofessional, having talent and crew waiting to shoot when people are ready. That's
0: unprofessional, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely understand that. Yes, sir. All right, brother. I'm going to say, this is wonderful. Oh, man, no doubt, bro. We done probably answered so much because people ain't got no questions. They like, I'm just in all
1: of this. That's it. great. I'm glad, man. I'm glad we can really have this talk. I love what you're doing, Brother Mike. Um, I love what you're doing with the Black Filmmakers Friday, the Black Filmmakers Lounge. I'm also enjoying what you're doing with your your dreams and your goals, uh, getting your film shot. Um, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Keep inspiring, keep um, supporting. I'll be doing the same thing with you and, and, your, and your networking group as well. This was a great time, I'm really um, happy Honored and humble that I can speak today about filmmaking. I really hope that people learn something. And again, if they want to reach out to me, they can. And um, I appreciate you, brother, for real, well, man. I appreciate fuck, you too,
0: bro. I man, I'm telling you. Um, and I'm gonna tell people what I did when I reached out okay. to you, man. I, yeah, do that, do that, for sure. I, I shot Chris um, an email, um, a message actually on Facebook, yeah. and <laughs> I told him who I was. I introduced myself. And I told him, you know, I've been making films. I, I sent them links to my work, and, mm-hmm. uh, and he watched them because <laughs> he asked sure questions did. about it. So <laughs> he it. wasn't one of the people like, all right, let's talk. No, he was like, so what do you plan on doing with this? You going to make this into bro, a feature? And, bro, he, bro. He, and we <laughs> talked, and uh, it was humbling because he was like, I'm open to be your mentor. Yes, you know?
1: sir, absolutely. And
0: it's it's. It's powerful because I, I believe in threes. I believe we should travel in three. We have a mm-hmm. mentor, someone who's where we want to be in life. And um, you can have different mentors for different things, but you have Correct. someone who can guide you in your profession or your dreams. And yep. then you have somebody you walk beside with that mm-hmm. you can help, right? Yep. And That's your real. partners, because both of you have two different mentors, you're bringing that information together and you're building it as well. And yes, you're sir. also taking it back. And yep. then you men, you have mentees. You yes. have someone underneath you that you're bringing up and yes. prepping them. And, and then if everybody's doing that, mm-hmm. we would grow so far.
1: I know, man. <laughs> I know, brother. I know, bro. I mean, look, I'm with you with the threes, man. I've been doing that. I've been loving it. You know, um, I, I love having you as a mentee. And I have two others as well, one in Atlanta and another in L.A. Um, And I love what you guys are doing. And one thing I appreciate what you've done is you are working hard, man. You're asking intelligent questions. You are doing the research and you're studying. That's going to take you a long way, man. And you also are giving back, man. So like when I give you information, I love that you give it back to other people. That are with you. That is awesome to me, man. And I'm gonna to continue to do that, man. And trust me, we're gonna do some great things. Just trust what I'm saying. Great things about to happen for all of us. So get ready, brother, and yeah. don't give up, man. And keep going, my brother, for sure. Cause I'ma stay on you anyway to make sure you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> so that's not gonna be a problem. But just just keep making great things happen. This is a great form, brother. Um, and I probably will – I'm going to try to get some other – I'll send you some names. We'll, we'll touch bases. I want some other people to come on that you can interview and talk to for your people, like especially different crew people, man. That would be hot.
0: Bro, you know? I, I keep trying to tell people <laughs> – this industry isn't just directors and producers right, and no, actors. Exactly. If you're a catering company, you need to get yeah. connected. If you're a doctor yeah. or a nurse, you, you need to get connected because we need you on set. I yeah, was on man. the set and they got the guns going. <laughs> they're shooting blanks. And you're like, all right, there's supposed to be a nurse on set and it's, <laughs> in case something happens. And, and yeah. people have to understand that. Like there's so many construction teams. Yeah, all that you, We overlook it. And yeah. those are all viable people. Heck, even having a realtor,
1: yeah, bro, is yeah, necessary. It's necessary because I mean that's what I've been doing myself with the EIG Lives. I'm interviewing um, with my particular series. It's going to be interviewing everybody in the film business, man. Um, just mm-hmm. having them drop nuggets on their positions, man. And um, the more exposure that can be taught, the better filmmakers will be. Because you'll be amazed on how a gaffer lights how he or she thinks when it's coming to lighting in the scene for the director and cinematographer let them talk about it, you'll be amazed as an actor, wow for real, hmm, interesting so maybe on the next time I come on set I don't know where to stand a little bit better in the light per se, just because I heard what this gaffer said, or how he needs to light like certain people with skin tones, it's just so much information man, that we don't know about, but we should learn about that would make us better at our craft, man, for real. So what you're oh, doing is great, great brother. And I appreciate all you, man, for having me much. on for the first black filmmakers Friday, man. I appreciate that, man, for sure. Oh
0: yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the black filmmakers Friday. Look, everybody who's been listening to us and watching us live. uh We appreciate you. We appreciate being able to share with you. We appreciate everyone who's dropped in questions and, um, was asking for information because that's what we're here for. That's what the lounges come sit back, relax mm-hmm. and share some knowledge and gain insight because if we come together, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say if we need we to went. come together that's right, that's right. as a community to build this industry uh, because it can be beyond just it's it's going to be independent. It's going to be studio. The mm-hmm. black film making black films you just psh, there's so many yeah. of us We need to come together. We need to learn how to brand together, build Mm -hmm. together. The audience is sitting waiting for us to do some stuff. And that's what we need to do.
1: Yes, sir. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you, brother. Let's do it.
0: So, yep. And T.K. Henderson says, thank you for your time. Oh no doubt, man. This and is I what say we thank do, man. We were I... no <laughs> up last night.
1: <laughs> a, yeah, it's love, man. It's love, brother. this is what we do, man. You know, this is what we do, brother. I mean, as soon as I get off with you, I'm gonna get back to this script that my sister and I are writing, and create. And then um, I got another interview um, at nine at eight eight thirty p.m. Central Time. So I'm gonna do that and uh, continue to work, bro, for sure.
0: Thank you very much. Hey, I want to say to everybody, thank you for following us. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for being with us on the Black Filmmakers Lounge, Black Filmmaker Friday. And hey, check us out tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock as we do the Filmmakers Talk Shop, where we got TK Henderson, scriptwriter, playwright, award-winning by the way, To talk about development, developing your script, storytelling, telling a good story. That's what we're going to be doing tomorrow. So definitely. And come on, hop on. And when you sit in that uh, comment section and see the reactions, network with those people. Get to know them. Make a connection. I'm Michael Melvin. I want to thank again Christopher Nolan for coming out. Appreciate y'all. Have a blessed day. Bass.